Hey, this is Emily, and you're listening to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 277, How to Talk Politics at Work. For full disclosure, it's Wednesday night here, the day after election day, and it is very late. My voice is a little raspy because it's been a long few days, and I'm kind of whispering because my house is very small, and on the other side of the house, Brad the Boot is fast asleep with Teddy. Uh, the dog, and I do not want to wake them up. I basically postponed, (laughs) some might say procrastinated, but I postponed the recording of this podcast for as long as I could without delaying, you know, our regular Thursday delivery for y'all because I was hoping we would know who the president will be by now. And as of this very late recording on Wednesday night, technically it's Thursday morning now, We still don't have a completely clear picture of how this election actually turned out. So, you know, more of the same. It's wildly unsettling time in the midst of a wildly unsettling year. So it makes sense that a lot of us are having a pretty unsettling week. I think a lot of the folks I had calls with on Wednesday, a lot of meetings that I was leading or a part of, I've noticed a mood (laughs) in the air. A lot of people are on edge. A lot of folks are distracted, myself included. I think people are being a little flakier than usual. And if you're like me, you might just find yourself obsessively refreshing news websites throughout the day and just talking about current events with whoever's around. So I wanted to share some guidance and thoughts for those of us who are navigating politics at work right now in such a big way. I think if anything, while there's lots we don't know about this election, what we definitely know that this election has already made very clear is that we still live in a really divided, divided nation. And the polarization is a troubling trend regardless of what side of the partisan aisle you're on or really where your political philosophies may lie, I think it's pretty clear that we we fundamentally disagree. And a lot of us live in a bubble, myself included, just surrounded by people who share my beliefs. So while I was talking with some friends and colleagues and loved ones today, the question came up quite a bit over the past few days, really over the past election cycle, which is how do I even deal with those who I fundamentally disagree with? So today I want to share some basics of like how to deal with political difference at work or even more simply put, should you even approach the topic of politics at work? So first, I want to share some fundamentals of diversity and inclusion with an electoral angle. Let's be clear, political diversity is a real form of diversity, but all of us who value diversity and inclusion efforts overall should care about. It's not the same thing as the more intractable, intrinsic identities related to things you cannot change, like race, um, age, ability, some would say gender, but that is much more fluid than it than it has been historically, or actually it's always been pretty fluid. So the fact of the matter is difference is salient. Difference matters. And whether it's political difference or those things that we cannot change as easily or cannot pass or hide or don't have the privilege of passing 
without others necessarily immediately knowing we're the one Republican in the office or we're the one liberal or the one person who votes third party in the office, they matter. And so these kinds of differences should be taken into account. And I particularly like how the undercover recruiter explained it in a recent blog post uh, where they wrote, quote, no matter how your employees vote, your company's ultimate goal should be to foster a culture of respect and inclusion by acknowledging an individual's right to his or her own opinion, while also ensuring that all views that are expressed are respectful of all people, right? So everyone's entitled to their own opinion up until the point where it does damage, psychological or otherwise, to others. That's a tricky line (laughs) to draw, but you know, with that underlying goal of fostering respect and tolerance at work guiding us, I want to talk about some tools to practically navigate political discussions at work this week, especially. All right, first, know the risks, because when emotions are running high, your anger, your hurt, or even your righteous indignation has the potential to do permanent damage to your relationships right now. So if you suspect that your political beliefs differ from those of your boss or colleagues or clients, people who have real power and influence over your career, you're going to want to weigh the risks and the potential rewards of speaking up politically quite carefully. I think back to my former persuasive communications professor, Barbara Tannenbaum, who you've heard here on the podcast in the past, on episode 250, How to Be a Powerful Public Speaker. She taught me that all strategic communication should be goal-oriented and audience-centered. So what is your goal, really, of having these kinds of conversations? Are you trying to persuade this person? Are you trying to change their mind? Or are you trying to keep the peace and prove yourself and earn their trust and respect? I'm not saying that they're mutually exclusive, of course, but your desire for political persuasion may fall secondary, understandably so, to your desire to maintain a productive working relationship, especially post-election, right? Like it's one thing to persuade people to get out and vote or to persuade people to think about your candidate and come over to your side before the election. But at this point, like, truly, what is the point? I don't know if it's like top of mind to change hearts and minds right now. And I'm the kind of person who advocates all the time to get out and volunteer and knock doors and make phone calls. But I don't know. This is not the time. You know, we're not in persuasion mode when it comes to getting out the vote. So it's okay to be strategic and really know what you're priorities are here and what your goals are of the conversation. The second piece of advice that I'm I'm trying to take myself is to aim to understand. The most empowering and respectful place to come from when approaching politics at work is with a genuine sense of curiosity, a desire to empathize and understand where this other person is coming from, even if you really, truly disagree. So if you go into these conversations with this openness, this attitude of learning something new, and really, frankly, I have plenty of questions for the folks who I disagree with. I'm like, how? What? Why? I don't understand, right? Like, 
if we go into these conversations curious, genuinely curious, and trying to be non-judgmental as much as possible, not trying to convince someone else of your worldview, then we're all more likely to establish the kind of meaningful, mutually respectful relationships that actually do lead to influence. As Rebecca Knight writes in the Harvard Business Review, quote, the best way to learn from conversations is to ask lots of questions. Be genuinely curious, says Joseph Grenny, co-author of Crucial Conversations and co-founder of Vital Smarts. Try to identify the formative experiences that shaped that person's worldview and come away with an appreciation of how he or she has arrived at their opinion, right? Like trying to truly understand and be able to mirror back to that person. Okay, I understand what you're saying about this because you care about that. Yes? Now, trust me, I know it can be so difficult <laughs> when you're truly hurt by someone's opinion, especially when political support for a candidate or for a policy these days can feel very equivalent to an attack on your very personhood, especially for, you know, marginalized folks, communities of color, queer folks, black and brown folks, immigrants, women, right? Like so many, so much of our politics today feels extremely personal and it is. Um, and, and I'm not perfect at this by any means. I've been working hard in recent years to try to try to respond from a place of non-judgmental curiosity and vulnerability when I'm feeling triggered, not defensiveness or rage, which is easier said than done. For example, when someone says something offensive or that strikes me as ignorant or uninformed, I'm trying to respond with a question like, what do you mean by that? Or I don't get it. Can you explain? you know, that doesn't make sense to me. Help me understand. As opposed to saying, you are so wrong. Like, however sure of how wrong I feel that they are, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to meet people halfway and and stay open. Or if someone says something really offensive or callous that just hurts me personally and leaves me feeling hurt and wounded and enraged, instead of like lashing out in return, which is my first instinct, I'm trying to articulate the pain that they've caused me by saying something like, ouch, or wow, that really hurt my feelings, which I know sounds like playground talk, but truthfully, it 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 like disarms the conversation in a really effective way. You know, I might say, when you say that you don't care about this policy position, it feels like you're saying that you don't care about me or people like me or people I care about who face this issue every single day of our lives, you know, and trying to share your truth as you at least understand their truth. Now, the frustrating part about this is like, no matter how well you play by this playbook, you can't control that other person. Like they might come back at you without any empathy, without any openness or genuine curiosity. And there's just no magic like wand you can wave to make that person care too. So it's kind of a fine balance between really remaining open and curious and actively listening and then asking that person and asserting yourself as you ask them to really listen to you in return. And let me just say, this is super duper hard. Your first instinct, much like mine, is probably either to recoil in abject horror or to lash out in rage. But 
genuine curiosity or vulnerability, however difficult to muster, are the building blocks of the real connections that we have to build in our ever more divided world if we are ever going to have productive conversations with each other. And this brings me to my final point, which is we have to remain respectful. When you're talking politics at work, you've got to remain respectful, even though things are bound to get heated. So if you find yourself being triggered, take what Dr. Mark Brackett calls a meta moment. Dr. Mark Brackett was on recently talking about emotional intelligence on episode 268. And meta moments for him are really these opportunities to feel your feelings, to think about how you're feeling, to take a pause, to breathe deeply, check in with yourself, to ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? And then really the follow-up question from there is about emotional management. How do these feelings need to be handled in order for me to regulate myself emotionally in the way that I want to show up in this setting at this time with these people? That kind of emotional labor takes effort, no doubt about it. But that effort can help you from saying something that you'll regret later on. I want to reiterate that no one in the history of anything has ever been persuaded to change their viewpoint because of a patronizing lecture they received from a self-righteous colleague, okay? Sheila Heen, author of Thanks for the Feedback, taught me that on episode 24 of the podcast way back in the day when she emphasized the fact that before any of us even begin to internalize feedback, we question the source. You know, is this someone I respect? Is this someone whose opinion matters to me? And if the answer is no, you know, we don't take their input seriously and they become a lot easier to just dismiss out of hand. So maintaining a demeanor of respect, if not for the person or their opinion, at the very least for their right to hold their own opinion is a prerequisite for creating the kind of real trusting relationships that do, do, in fact, sway people's opinions slowly over time. It's not just the right thing to do, as Michelle Obama might say, you know, when they go low, we go high, but it can also be the more strategic choice for you, for your career, for your relationships at work, and for your long-term ability to actually influence that person's opinion. So whatever comes this day, this week, this year, uh, whatever's ahead of us, y'all, I hope that we all feel more empowered to have conversations with people who don't share our beliefs and to have to have the ability to disagree in a way that's respectful and mutually grounded in openness and a willingness to understand. It's not easy. I think it's a lifetime's worth of work, but I'm hoping that whatever comes next, that in our country here in America in particular, I know we've got lots of listeners abroad, but here in the States in particular, that we can be courageous and be willing to have tough conversations like this with people who totally disagree with us. Because it's clear to me right now we are all in our own little worlds full of people who just agree with us. And that's not working. It's not working. It's not creating a 
United States of America. And that's that's really where we want to be. That's where I want to be. And I want to hopefully, I'm not trying to peddle unity here, but I, I'm trying to peddle understanding because I just feel lately more than ever, like I don't really understand. <laughs> I don't understand how we're seeing the same thing and drawing such vastly different conclusions. So that's my very late night message to y'all on election week, day two and a half, three on the way. I'm going to get some rest. I encourage you to do the same. Uh, Thanks for listening. If you found this conversation helpful, spread it, share it, do your thing, go to the Bossed Up blog, you know, bossedup.org slash episode 277 to weigh in, to share it on social media. And, you know, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts. So DM me or message me on Facebook, Instagram, wherever at bossedup.org or at Emily Aries. Let's keep Boston in the meantime in pursuit of our purpose and together let's lift as we climb.